0: Up it, up it, up you got good Welcome to the unscripted podcast, where we have a more casual chat with some of our friends, former guests, and industry pals. Today, we're chatting with a writer who has created, co-created, and written for over thirty comic titles, and that's just his other job. He's also the president and COO of Top Cow Productions. He's been on the show like four or five times, but every time we get to chat with him, it's a blast. He's also got a super secret agent name. It's Hawkins, Matt Hawkins. Welcome to the show. Thanks for coming on, Matt.
1: Oh, thanks for having me. Thanks for having me again. Um.
0: So, what's going on? I know you just came back from New York Comic Con, and uh, we both share a love of New York City.
1: Yeah, it's doing the you know the hustle. You know, doing the comic convention hustle. That's really the uh, the way to build your audience in this day and age. You right. Know? So you just go, you shake a glad hand, and it's <laughs> almost like politics. You know, you go out and get people to. Uh, To buy and sample your books, and uh, that really is the way to do it, you know?
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, you have to support your. That's the way it is in publishing, too, you know, all the book signings that they have to do and
1: and things like that. Um, Yeah, I'm always amazed at the people who just think they can write it and put it out there and it'll find its own audience. Uh, That happens, but it's so rare that uh, when people say that that's their plan to me, I always just kind of (laughs) like, I think that's a horrible plan. Right. You you need to uh, really get out there and market and support yourself, which is why I always say to people, if you want to be a writer, you kind of need to be a, a A shameless self marketer. Right. And if you can't do that, then find a a significant other or a really good friend or a business partner that can do that for you.
0: Right. No, absolutely.
1: Um, Uh,
0: What's going on with Top Cow? I know you've got Eden's Fall, and uh, we'll talk about Postal in just a second, which is very exciting. Um, What do you guys got going on right now?
1: Um, Well, we've been sort of dividing the company into three different unique lines of books. We have uh, Eden's Fall, which we call the Eden's Verse now, which Mm -hmm. is Postal, Think Tank, and Tithe, and uh, that sort of happened organically where those titles ended up sort of... Because Postal is really about uh, criminals and the FBI and their relationship. Um, and Tithe is about the FBI and hackers. And Think Tank is about the military and hackers. Uh, it just sort of makes sense with no superheroes, no supernatural, that they sort of inhabit the same world. Um, I had a few other titles I wanted to lump in there, like Wildfire and some other stuff sure. I'm doing. But I realized in Wildfire, we you know, burn down most of California, <laughs> so uh, I, I would need to explain that, and right. I didn't want to have to do that. And then I, start, then I when I realized I would had that, I'm like, eh, we'll just keep it to these three titles, keep it small, um, mm-hmm. and uh, let it kind of happen organically. I mean, Eden's Fall is just the three issues, but uh, I call those reader books, people read them, you know, and that's it's kind of in the Tom Clancy, Michael Crichton vein, mm-hmm. and uh, sci- some sci-fi, but more, more science thrillers and crime drama and stuff like that. We have the Top Cow universe, which is Witchblade, The Darkness, Aphrodite Nine, Aphrodite Five, and those titles, Cyberforce, um, and those are all sort of contained. And then we have uh, what I call the verse, which is Sunstone, Bloodstain, and a new book that Linda Sedgwick, Sepp- Stepan's wife, and I are doing called Swing. Hmm. Um, and the fourth category is kind of other, which includes books I write that don't fit into any of those categories, uh, or right. creator-owned stuff from other people, like Romulus from Brian Hill and Nelson Blake. Uh, Eclipse, which just came out from Zach Kaplan and Giovanni Tempano, um, and Rom- and uh, Mechanism by uh, Rafael Leenko. Right. those are sort of uh, original creator-owned books that these guys are doing, and uh, we just put them out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So,
0: um, and uh, talk. Let's let's talk about Postal. Okay, great. Was it was it last week or?
1: Well, actually, we sold it almost a year and a half ago. Right, but it's uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Being it, it was announced. Uh, yeah. The Hulu deal was announced uh, just a little over a week ago, um, and uh, yeah, no, we we optioned uh, Postal and a couple other properties that haven't been announced yet to uh, Legendary Television uh, almost a year ago, and uh, they uh, with us set up Postal at Hulu just recently, and uh, are fast tracking that hopefully to be out sometime next year.
0: Yeah, that's fantastic. I mean, the the book is great.
1: Yeah. Um,
0: yep. Maybe you could explain about you know it's you know this town it's, it's a bunch of
1: the quick pitch. Yeah. Uh, it's it's a postal is a is about a uh, a small town in Eden, Wyoming that's kind of completely off the grid where criminals can pay a fee to come hide out and get a new identity. There's uh, surgeons there that will give them facial reconstruction. There are uh, hackers there that will give them a new identity, and there are bankers that will there will launder their funds. And so you come there, you spend six months to a year, you hide out read books, play video games, whatever, and then uh, you get reinserted into society as someone else uh, and you get to keep your ill-gotten gains. You know, So that, that is the idea of it. There's clearly a relationship between the FBI and this group uh, that's kept the town. The town's been around for 30 years and it's been successful at doing what it's doing, and now 30 years into it, at the beginning of the story, there's murder. So mm-hmm. it's like the first real crime the town has had, and uh, it's sort of escalated from there. I always tell people if you like Northern Exposure or Twin Peaks, this is kind of a combination of both.
0: Right, right. It actually is.
1: Yeah. Um,
0: and uh, how did that come about in terms of taking it to Legendary and that whole development process? What, what was that like? You said it was a year ago.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, um, well, I wrote Postal originally as a uh, TV pitch. Um, and oh, okay. uh, I wrote it as a, a, an actual TV pitch. And I was working with my agents, at Circle of Confusion. And, uh, They said it was kind of a more high-concept kind of thing. It'd be hard to explain. It'd be easier to show, which is usually their version of, hey, go do it as a comic. And uh, so started the comic, uh, started working with Brian Hill. Mm -hmm. Um, Brian is really good at dialogue and intrigue. And uh, so we sort of worked worked real well on the first couple arcs. And by the time we got to the third arc, I was working on so many other things. I wasn't really involved. So I just let Brian go. And he's written at Volumes 3 and 4 on his own uh, with Isaac Goodhart. Yeah, no. We, uh, I had written up this long outline, and then we started doing the comics. And then we took and uh, sold it to Legendary, I would say the third or fourth issue was out. So it was early on. It's been a sure. while ago. Um, and then we've been in develop with them ever since. Mm-hmm. And uh, we were, there was a moment where we thought we were going to sell it to Showtime, and uh, that didn't happen. And then we sold it to Hulu. And uh, I have spoken to Hulu about the idea of the Edens verse, and that Think right. Tank and Tithe. And so uh, they could have their own little Marvel universe kind of on Hulu. Right, absolutely. And, uh, yeah. So we'll see. Sort of like the Netflix deal. With yeah, that. yeah, absolutely. Um,
0: is there Showtime, obviously, and HBO? They have sort of carte blanche to do sort of whatever they want content-wise. Right. Is there a mandate at a place like Hulu? Because obviously, Hulu, Netflix may or may not. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Have sort of a mandate on. Let's not make it too violent. That's not. Make, I don't know. Have has there been any sort of pushback on anything?
1: No, um, not not really at That's all. Right. I think they definitely want it to be more. I don't think they want it to be like a hard R, sure. You know, but it'll be more of a PG thirteen, like to an R kind of. Uh, I think it's definitely a mature viewers kind of title. Um, I, I have Hulu and I've started watching it a little more now. Than we had to deal with them. <laughs> right, right. Uh, my wife watches a lot of it, but uh, yeah, I like those kind of series. You know, if you, the Netflix ones, I think are really good, and yeah. uh, and uh, people like to binge them. So right. You know, no one. It seems to be a big mystery what the numbers are for the viewership on Hulu and Netflix. But uh, I figure, as a producer of the Hulu show, at least I'll know what they are. Right. right. (laughs) So it'd be fun to see.
0: Yeah. Will they give you those numbers? That would be cool. I think they have to. Yeah. So, but I probably won't be able to share
1: them. Sure. But it'd be nice for me just to know what they are. Yeah. Yeah. I
0: mean, just out of curiosity, I think. Yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. Because I mean, I think they, the install base on Netflix is like 500 million. And the install base on Hulu is like half that, right? You know, so I mean, it's like 250 million right. users, which is the entire U.S. population, you know, but around the world, kind of thing, right? So.
0: And Hulu, uh, like Netflix, tends to be known for much more drama, although they do have Kimmy Schmidt, and I guess they sort of revived Arrested Development. But Hulu seems to be known a little more for comedy. They have, you know, a lot of good comedy series, right? So it's kind of cool that you're, they're, you know. I don't want to say expanding because I know they have drama series, but uh, to get their own, like you said, that was a great pitch.
1: (laughs) No, it should be fun. I think, uh, and the guy, Seth, uh, that they brought in was one of the Walking Dead writers, and uh, he is the showrunner on the show. And uh, when he came in and pitched his take for the TV series, uh, so many times when I'm dealing with these things, uh, I hear these TV and film takes of our material, and I I don't like them as much as the comics. You know, it's always sometimes I may not verbalize that, but I always think the comics are better, you know. Right. Uh, But in this case, one of the first, actually, where I actually thought, "Wow, this is amazing. I mean, I mean, the pitch he did actually, there were a couple things that we had done with the comic that didn't make sense to me, and we just kind of glossed over it. I have noticed that sometimes when you you have a story element where you can't quite figure it out, if you just ignore it, uh, <laughs> most people don't even notice sure. you know I mean <laughs> that's a cheat, but it works <laughs> right, 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 right. and uh, the guy uh, actually f- kind of fixed some of that, so oh, wow, and he had some really interesting uh, ideas, and uh, so I, I was excited to see kind of his take and the pilot I read it was really good
0: right right and um, I, I know that for like The Walking Dead Kirkman is now a writer but he started off I think he's I don't know if he started as a writer or this, maybe he did but I know he was a consultant and stuff like that right like, what do you see what do you want your role to be I know you're also the president of, <laughs> and CEO right. of top cow you're also writing I don't know how many books you've got on your shelf yeah, yeah you're yeah. writing and you're doing all these other things how much time are you going to well, I'll be
1: involved with working with the writers on the uh, scripts and the development of that, mm-hmm. but and I'll probably go visit the set just for fun, right? You know, and maybe take my wife because she'll think it's cool. <laughs> but uh, other than that, uh, yeah. probably not involved in the physical production, you know. So usually, when we're producers on things, it means yeah. we're working with the writers in the development. Um, and uh, I mean, like on Wanted when we did that, uh, I went to the set in Chicago and got to meet Angelina Jolie. It was fun, um, right? But I was just. There for eight hours while they shot a bit of a, a of that street chase uh, with the red car, and uh, I was amazed that it took eight hours to shoot like two minutes. Sure, you know, and I was like, God, this is a like, god awful business. <laughs> right, right. So uh, I was really actually pretty bored, you know. Right. Um, but uh, yeah. So I, I don't have uh, a lot of aspirations. I know Sylvester has always had flirted with the idea of being a director and sure. doing that kind of stuff. I don't know if he's still interested in that. He told me 15 years ago he was. Right. So. Right. Um, Because, uh,
0: like, the development of, of comics to film, we get asked a lot mm-hmm. on film or TV, and I know you've obviously been part of it with, again, with the wanted's, the postals, the witch blades, mm-hmm. you know, all that kind of stuff. We get asked a lot by screenwriters who want to find an quote unquote easier path. You and I both know getting a comic created is. Incredibly difficult, and probably right. I mean, because the, the the sort of creative avenues to get produced, unless you're going to do it digitally, right, something like that, is incredibly hard, to, right? Because there's so few players out there, right. Um, what would you say? But then there's also comic creators who just think, hey, this would make a great TV show, uh, or a film, or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, what do you say to those individuals if, if there's any sort of advice or guidance or what lessons have you learned getting as many projects as you have from the comic book actually from your brain to a comic book
1: to you know well, I'll tell screenplay. you what. Uh, what doesn't work, right. and it's it's it, in this small connected world, it's it's easy to, to find this out very quickly. But often agents and managers from Hollywood will send us screenplays to take a look at for comics or something, and mm. uh, I, I can usually find out very quickly if it's a screenplay that's already been widely circulated, mm. which means it's been specked and sent around to everyone, and no one was interested in it. <laughs> right. And uh, so a lot of times they'll look at comics as possibly being a second life for something that's dead. Sure. Um, and uh, if that's the case, majority of the time it's we're not interested in it at all. And it's it's very easy for me to figure that out. So if you're a writer and you wrote some script and you widely circulated it and no one was interested, sending it to comic companies to do is is probably not going to fly. Right. Because most of us now have agents, and managers, and all just forward it. Have you heard of this? And they're like, oh, widely distributed pass. Right. You know. Um, and uh, sometimes I'll read some of that stuff and I actually kind of like it. And then I always ask, well, why? Yeah. You know, I always call my Rick Jacobs, who's my main guy at Circle of Confusion. And I said, well. What was the reason people passed on this? And they're like, oh, there's nine other things that are already like that, mm. that are in active development, and uh, so you can even have a good idea and, and a decent execution and just have bad timing. Sure. Um, uh, you know, look, for most screenwriters, I would say the chance of them getting picked up by a publisher of any merit is very small. Um, so, how do you? Bridge that because most comic book companies are looking for comic book writers, you know. And most comic, or I would say, screenwriters are not really interested in becoming a comic book writer, they're looking to use this as a means to an end. Um, and I think the best way to do that is actually either to crowdfund it or to uh, put it up online for free. Mm-hmm. And because uh, the barrier to entry in comics right now is very low. But the barrier to entry to profitability is much higher. Sure, um, you know a lot of comics uh, in in the '90s. There were very few comics that were put out at all that weren't making money. You know, now there right. are a lot. Right. Um, and with web comics, you know, I see this a lot where you'll see a creative team that'll put a comic up online for free for a year or two, and then suddenly they'll do a Kickstarter and monetize it. Um, and I think that's a, that's a good model. And I almost always notice those. Like, go, oh, here's these people I've never heard of, this product I've never heard of, and. Excuse me. They just raised sixty-five thousand dollars. Well, now now I look at them because they have an audience. Because as a comic publisher, we just want to put out projects that we think are good, but that will make money. Sure. You know, I don't want to invest in something that's going to lose money. Right. And if even if you've been writing on some TV show for ten years, uh, no one in comics has ever heard of you. Sure. You know, so trying to go work on a comic book t- uh, comic book to to sell is very hard, especially if it's an original project. Um, and uh, to be a successful comic book writer, you need to write and publish. At least three books a month. I think two is the minimum. You know, if you're not on the stands on a regular basis, mm-hmm. constantly putting material out, um, I think it's too easy to forget you. You know, because there's 600 comics that come out every month. 600. Wow. You know, so if you're putting out four books a year, that's less than what one one hundredth or one percent of the market, right. um, And probably less than one one hundred thousandth of uh, market share of right. one percent. You know, right. so you, know, you don't really even make a dent. So uh, there's a consistency. So for me, for most, if if I owe a manager or an agent a favor, that's the best way to get it published through me. (laughs) 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 That's how Eclipse got published. Right. Um, You know, and Romulus that I published was based on a guy that already works for me on other projects. And the only three creator-owned things, original ideas from the outside that we've done in the last ten years are those three projects. Right. Raphael Anko on Mechanism was my artist on Symmetry. Hmm. And uh, so I've already been working with him for two years uh you know you look at like I said Brian Hill written postal with me and a number of other books, mm-hmm. so, and he just kept being internal so um, just pitching blind from the outside is very hard, even d c and Marvel you talk to these guys they're looking for the same thing, looking right. for people that have established fan bases yeah that they could cross collateralize off of because otherwise right. it's just it's hard to make money in publishing
0: yeah no absolutely um, you go to a lot of cons and do a lot of events and things, um, as you and Mark being obviously the bosses of Top Cow, the faces of Top Cow. So you must encounter a lot of creators who want to have their comics published. Now for a writer who, whether it's a a screenwriter who actually genuinely wants to also write comics, because we actually have a number, we've interviewed a number of of successful TV slash comic writers, Jay Faber is one that just comes to mind. You know, Copperhead, and that was on Zoo, and um, but also comic book writers who want to break in and get their project out there. Mm-hmm. But maybe it's it's a writer. What? And I know there's deviant art uh, and things like that websites to kind of seek out. Is there any? What's the best approach to, if you're a writer and you want to partner with an artist to get your a comic, you know, published, whether it's online, right. or whatever.
1: Uh, Unless you're friends with an artist already, it's very difficult to build a friendship and get them to do something for free. So you need to pay them. Um, And you could pay a lot of artists a a small amount of money to do something with you over time. They can fit it in. But uh, the reality is is you're going to have to pay for it. Mm -hmm. So if you can't afford to pay for it, it makes your road significantly more difficult. Um, And uh, I'm not saying it's impossible, but uh, I think we talked about this on a previous podcast. I don't personally know of any writer in comics that's broken in submitting you mean sc- scripts all right it's very difficult yeah i don't think i know i don't there are some i'm sure i just i don't know any sure. there are no stories i know of where people have broken into comics no one has ever broken into top cow that i'm aware of by sending us a script or an idea without art Right. it's usually always some sort of a combination cuz for me and this is where it also sucks for a lot of writers pitching stuff to me is cuz we're with Sevestri and the artists. We're art snobs a little bit, so if somebody pitches me something in the art, is kind of meh, uh, I have a hard time even looking at it. I just uh, I'd right. say even if the story could be good, I try to I try to muscle through some stuff, but uh, for the most part, I need to it needs to be good art, right? So that's where there are uh, you know it's like there are a lot of smaller publishers, and people always like to shoot big, but uh, there are a lot of really small publishers that you can you can build a uh, at least put some books out through. That their uh, barrier to entry is much smaller than ours. Mm -hmm. Um, And I can't think of a single, with the exception of Zach on Eclipse, he's probably the only writer I've ever hired that hadn't written a comic before. Okay. I don't think I've ever hired one. So everyone I've ever hired to write comics had at least written another comic somewhere else. Because handing someone an actual comic book is infinitely better than handing someone a script. Sure. So, because no one wants to, I don't want to read scripts. No, I mean. It's fucking work. Reading a comic is fun. Right, right. (laughs) And your plate is full. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So
0: if you're going to take that, you know, 20 minutes, half hour to look at something.
1: Well, it's not even that. I mean, I always tell people, look, if you can get eight pages of art done by someone. which You can do for under $1,000 and script it and get it lettered by a good letterer. Because that's another thing that people do all the time that's. That's a bad idea is they get really they letter it themselves, um, and it looks horrible. You know, horrible lettering is 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 like bad sound in a movie. Right. It's it's hard for me to look at. Right. So if you get eight pages, six to eight pages of just an introduction, it doesn't need to be a full story. Just like see that you know how to dialogue, you know how to kinda tell a scene, you can get my attention, you know? Mm -hmm. And uh there are a lot of, and I always say, look, Top Cow publishes four, maybe five titles a month. I'm writing two or three of those, and I have internal people that are writing one or two of the others. So the opportunities to write here are very small. Mm-hmm. But Image itself publishes 40 titles a month. Uh, Dynamite publishes 30. IDW publishes 40. You know, you've got uh, Boom that publishes another 30 or 40. There's opportunity uh, at these other publishers that's much bigger than here. And if you get to write a book at Boom or at AEW or wherever, and then you want to do something here, there's a better chance of you getting hired here anyway. Mm-hmm. So um, I, I would say look to the companies that are uh, larger, uh, that probably have a larger publishing line, sure. um, and because uh, there's just, just by sheer volume of numbers, they need more bodies.
0: Right, right. Um, now talking about specifically like the submission, the eight pages, whatever. What. I'm not saying in terms of material, like, what are you looking for, like, hey, if you have a spy thing, send it to Matty's. Look, nothing like that. I'm right. talking about like, what sort of things do you notice other than, oh, it's, it seems comp- competent. But like, what kind of things pop to you like, uh, in terms of?
1: of well, Well, the, uh, the really bad mistakes people make okay. is um, when you describe in the in the words, what you can see in the image, right? Um, the art itself tells most of the story, mm-hmm. you know. And if if I'm uh, if I'm sitting here talking to you, and the narrative says Matt's talking to you, <laughs> right? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, It's like, well, no fucking shit. You <laughs> right. know? I mean, that's exactly. And you you'd be surprised how often you see that. Really. Um, and uh, there are times when I've used narrative to. to make the art make more sense because sometimes the artist doesn't do it correctly. Um, But for the most part, you do not want, or if the art is unclear, then you can do that. But for the most part, the art tells the story. And if you just repeat what's going on in the art, uh, that's bad. I would rather there be no lettering. Or have, Because to me, the greatest thing about comics is the ability to do an internal monologue for the main character. I love writing first-person narrative. And uh, it's something that you really can't do in most other mediums sure. that you can get inside the head, and you can actually tell another layer of that story. And to me, the most interesting part of writing is the space between what a character says and what they're thinking. And see, that's where I'll use the narrative to explain actually kind of what they're thinking, and the word balloons to see what they're saying. And, and you can use that to sometimes dramatic or comedic effect when they don't match. Right, and as the reader, you're reading this and saying, "Oh, that's what he's thinking, and that's what he's saying," and that's kind of that can be very funny. Sure, and I do that a lot in Think Tank, where I'll have the character in his monologue say what he's thinking, and then and then in his dialogue, it'll be the exact opposite. Right, you know, Um, and uh, because people will ask him questions, and they'll be in his in his in the narrative, it'll say, "Yeah, no shit." He's like, "Oh no, I don't know that," you know, (laughs) kind of thing, or have something where it has an opposite meaning. Usually, it's for sarcastic effect, but uh, yeah, you know, I mean. Character scenes are good. Uh, One thing I I generally frown upon is uh, pure action sequences that with a lot of dialogue. Mm. No one wants to see that. And I I would say, look to movies. You know, when you look to movies, when you have uh, giant fight sequences, are they spending a lot of time talking? Is there a lot of monologue? You see it a lot in comics, and I always hate it when the uh, villain does extended monologue during the uh, during the fight sequence. No one ever fucking does that in reality. Right. Um, And. I do this sometimes out of necessity, but uh, I, I prefer not to see info dumps, you know? Like uh, you just dump a bunch of text to try to explain what's going on. Mm-hmm. I think usually when I've done that in my comics it's because I've, I've made a mistake or I failed in doing what I was doing. So I know where I fail, so when I see it in other people it's easier for me to see. So if you do some sort of info dump where you're explaining everything in like a few narrative balloons. Um, than uh, I think you know I, I've, I've actually if you look at stuff I was writing 20 years ago and today I use fewer words now so I think brevity is, is, is important um, the, the volume of words doesn't matter it's what they say you know um, and it's like that, that great uh, sequence in uh, Dead Poet Society where Robin Williams' character was talking about how uh, don't use the word sad use the word morose right. use the word melancholy because they all have slightly different meanings Absolutely. and they make things more interesting to read um, and uh, you know so you're only going to get the chance to make a first impression that someone wants, right? You know, so uh, I would say spend six months making it awesome, right? You know, I mean, it's not like art where art you can or you need to spend six months. But I mean, if you're an artist and you spend six months doing five pages of work, you can't do a monthly comic no matter what you do. And then when I hire this person and they they do and I tell them I need three pages a week and the pages are shit because they don't have a month and a half to each page, then I'm like, oh okay, then I, I see what you did here. We're not going to bother with you anymore. Goodbye. Right. Um, or I'll give them a one-shot book and say, okay, do it in two years. Right. And I, those people, I've i I've, I've worked with those people constantly, and I'm amazed that they can survive. I don't know. I don't know how they pay the bills. Right. Because I don't pay them more. Right. You know. So I'm paying them the same as I'm paying the guy doing a monthly book, but he's getting that money for a year's worth of work. Right. Right. <laughs> but uh, yeah, because they're getting paid by page, by book,
0: right? right? Not by length of time that they're yeah, working yeah,
1: yeah. on it. Look. The dialogue is is everything really. I yeah. mean, I I think uh, snappy dialogue, uh, not too overdone. Um, you know, David Mamet style. You know, you get in some scripts. You, you know, you, I, I would do something that where the scene is almost. Hard to make interesting Mm -hmm. It's like uh, I always tell this to artists It's like uh, It's easy to make The Hulk punching Thor In the face look cool Right It's hard to make Us two sitting here talking Interesting for someone to watch Right You know what I mean So how do you do that You vary the camera angles You do interesting things With lenses And things And you move things around Um, And uh, So for me Those are the things That kind of grab my attention Is uh, Is this keeping my attention Because the one thing uh, I always tell people All the time Is keep it short Make it good because uh, absolutely everyone on our end of the street reading this or fence, whatever you want to call it, uh, reading this is looking for a reason to not read it anymore. Absolutely. So if you give me a reason to stop reading, like I get to the page three and, and you say something stupid that's a repeti- repetition of the art or something, and I'm like, oh wow, that just, why would somebody even say that? Or it's just unrealistic or, mm-hmm. or, or comes across as forced. Um, one thing I hate personally, is, and I really recommend that writers don't do this, at least out of the gate, is don't do uh, dialects. Where you have the words like oh, okay. uh, you're doing the Scottish one, where you use the brogue and you write words differently to reflect how they say it. Right. I don't do that. It's it's, <laughs> it's, it's it, it makes it difficult to read, and there's very few people that I can actually do that very well. Um and even when guys like Grant Morrison do it, and I read it, I'm like, it takes me a minute to figure out what's going on, and it, it kind of takes me out of the story. Right. And again, it gives me a reason to not want to read it.
0: Right. And if so, you're Grant Morrison, you can get away with it, but yeah, when yeah, you're yeah. trying to, you know, this is your 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 first impression. Right. Yeah, you don't want to. Yeah. Yeah. Overcomplicate keep,
1: things. Keep it simple. I would say, uh, you know, if you have a more extended book, like a full book, uh, make sure you have scene changes. I, I read a comic that I just picked up in New York where it was 22 pages and it was all one running scene in the same location. Really? And I read it all the way through because I was curious to see if they could pull it off because right. I have seen it but they can't. After about six or seven pages, uh, you start to lose interest and it's not as interesting. So. The way everyone else combats that is, you just shift the scene. Right. You know, you I, I usually try to four to six pages is to me in a comic book uh, the length of a scene, and then you want to shift it. Whether you do a time jump, you shift to someplace else, uh, or or whatever it is. Um, the other thing is, people don't often take into account uh, the time jumps in comics. You know, it's fine to do it. You know, you don't, you can jump two weeks in one panel, mm-hmm. and you gotta you gotta make that make sense.
0: Right, right. Um. When you were talking about uh, like a lot of scripts especially action scripts but just scripts in general the the general advice is to start it off with a bang not necessarily an explosion but you know something interesting exciting something has to be going on rather than right. you know two characters just having a conversation about flowers or something like that it's not that important right something's you know dramatic has to happen but um, in comics, if you're making a comic that you're hoping to submit, you know, sort of as a sample but also something for yourself but something as a sample um, is that good advice because, like, you had mentioned making something so simple like 12 Angry Men kind of thing or, you know, something that's like phone Booth, where the whole movie takes place in a phone booth. If you can make that interesting obviously you've got chops. Right. But then you run the risk of also it not being interesting and...
1: Yeah, there's uh, I, I mean, that that that's so beholden to the art at sure. that point. You know, it's like uh, if you have some sort of a chase sequence, a la the opening of any James Bond movie or Indiana Jones or any of these things, um, those are always more interesting yeah. to view. Yeah. But as a writer without an artist, you're not viewing anything. You know, right. so, um, and if you're just doing some scene changes of a fight sequence, that tells me structurally you might know how to write a comic, and usually most people don't. hmm you know, I mean, it's a lot of times different. when you see sort of the breakdown, and uh, like when I, I don't have my iPad here, but the, the you know when I write comics, I include a ton of photos, like yeah. uh, like photo reference, because mm-hmm. I you know always I just build it right into the scripts. I send it to the artists. Like uh, yeah. I'm working on a new project with Colin Doran, and, and we were talking about a refugee camp in there, and I'm like, oh, I just found a bunch of photos of what a refugee camp looks like, and I'm like, just source these. You know, this character is this 35-year-old, whatever, looks kind of like Joseph gordon Lovett. You know, here's right. a photo of the guy. You know, someone like this, this type. Right. Um, so there's a shorthand you can use with uh, with artists. The uh, funny
0: thing is I've talked to artists, and a majority of them actually prefer that way. Yeah. So they don't have to spend all this time trying to figure out what's, what you want, what it looks like. They're like, okay, that's what you want it to look like? I can do that. Right. Um, other than, I mean, obviously, there are certain artists who kind of view that as an encroachment on their artistic whatever. But most artists from right. what I, I've I've spoken to just they appreciate that.
1: Yeah, they it's they they like want to know what you want. Yeah. You absolutely. know? And it also depends on the project, if it's sort of a shared creator owned thing, if it's a work for hire thing. That's you true. know, like a lot of the artists I work with, um, like, like Think Tank is very specific. It's set in the real world. I use mm-hmm. real weapons. I use real we- weapon systems, missiles, and, and and planes. So when I send Rasana, it's tons of photos. Yeah, you know, I mean, tons and tons of photos. The book I'm doing with Colin Doran is set in the present day. Deals a lot with immunotherapy and cancer research, and I, I just I know that material really well. So for her to actually have to go research it would be a pain in her ass, sure. and she doesn't want to do it. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. I do tons of photo reference to show her what the things look like, and because uh, I call for specific shots like on a microscopic level, mm-hmm. and uh, so I, you know it's easy for me to say, hey, here's what this looks like when it's happening. Right. You know, this is what the mitosis looks like. Um, but uh, so that that's uh, again getting back to the idea of pitching. Mm-hmm. Man, it's hard. I. Uh, Yeah, like when I've pitched, uh, I've pitched DC on a few things because they've asked me to pitch, Um, and, uh, you know, I I usually start with uh, two paragraphs, no dialogue, just, uh, but it's easier for me because people have read my books, they know what I write like, Mm -hmm. so when I talk to editors over there, I can send them two volumes of Think Tank and the Tithe, or give it to them at a con, they know me, and, uh, but if I didn't know, you know, I I always think less is more. You know, when someone sends me, hey, have you ever thought about doing uh, a series on such and such, and... This is the one paragraph version I would consider doing. Um, that that has a more opportune than someone sending me. What I don't like is people sending me a lot of work that then is not going to be used. Um, it, it's fine; I get it that people try it out. It's a sample script or whatever right, it is. Right. But uh, I don't know. It's, it, like I said, uh, when you do more, there's always more reasons to say no. Mm-hmm. That's so true. So I just I just get back to the less is more thing. Mm-hmm. You know. And uh, I got to tell you, pitching pitching top cow is is difficult um, because it's almost always easier for me just to write it myself. So, and I've got a couple other writers I work with in creative teams. But uh, pitching image, you know, you put together a full, fully articulated book with a team, and you submit eight pages. Um, That's a whole different animal, you know. And I think Eric is is looking for specific kind of things, things that are different. uh, Because he even asked me uh, once I was deeply into symmetry, and he saw that we were doing eclipse and mechanism. He's like. uh, you should just know we're doing like 20 sci-fi things over the next year. You might want to shift away from sci-fi. And I'm like, oh, okay. So, I, and, and he just kind of gave me that heads up. Sure. So the thing is, is anyone, so people seeing like Descender and Symmetry and a bunch of sci-fi things coming out from Image and Top Cow and these other companies are like, oh, I'll pitch a sci-fi thing. Well, they have no shot, really. Right. You know what I mean? There's already a preconceived, like they're internally we're already saying, hey, please, no more sci-fi right. shit. No one outside knows that, and we're not going to say that necessarily because if someone submits something really phenomenal right um, we'll probably still do it but uh, a lot of things are timing you know and uh, yeah you know Brian Hill who works for me uh, a lot now um, he wrote a handful of things a number of years ago just kind of kept talking to me over a course of several years and uh, eventually found something to work on together mm-hmm. I think relationship is, is a lot of it Absolutely. and I think conventions are good for that because uh, you can come up and talk to people the best way to make a uh, creator happy and get to know them is to walk up and buy their books. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, go buy a comic from them. Right. That'll make them happy. So,
0: um, is that something that that you've seen personally other than Brian Hill is is, you know, do you start to know these creators that come back year after year and see their work improving? Sometimes,
1: yeah. uh, it's harder on a on a written level. Sure. Um, easy yeah. on a, on an art, art level. Art, right. Yeah. And
0: you can see it. In 15
1: seconds. People give me comics like I came back from New York with a stack. And, uh, they're at home, but I've, I have about 20 books that people gave me that mm-hmm. I, I need to uh, read because I told them I would. You know, now and are
0: these other creators from other publishers, or are they both creator-owned? All across the board. Oh, okay.
1: Yeah, it's always easier for me when someone says, "Oh, you know, I've been working at Dark Horse for two years. Can uh, right. kind I of send you some PDFs?" And then I'll pop them on my iPad and try to read them, and I'm either into it or not. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and that person's got a, a much better shot. Sure. You know, especially if you've got a, a, a fan base. I mean, people seem to be pissy about the uh, DC talent internal winners. Um, but look, here's the thing I always say about comics: is uh, you know if there are fewer people writing comics than work in, that are in than are in the NFL. Mm-hmm. That's there are fewer people writing, so you have a better shot of being in the NFL than you do of writing comics. Right. And people don't think that being in the NFL is, is realistic for the most part. So um, I'm not telling people it's impossible, but it's 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 hard. And the other thing is, if you go in the NFL, the average uh, Career span of an NFL player is like four years. You know, the average career span of someone who stays in comics is thirty to forty to fifty years. Sure. I mean, Kurt Busiek's been writing comics full time for thirty years now. Right. Mark Wade. You know, you look at a lot of these writers, even guys like Marv Wolfman, who are on the forty and fifty years, they're still around writing a couple of DC books. Well, that's a couple of books that you, as the twenty-five year old writer, don't have an opportunity for. Absolutely. So um, there's a lot of competition. There's a lot of uh, established people already in it. I think right now is a good time for women and non-white men direct comics, because the publishers seem to be wanting to hire them for diversity's sake, sure. you know, and kind of get other voices out there, which is great. You know, um, sucks. Uh, I get some white people, that, white guys I know that bitch, bitch about that, but I'm like, publish your own stuff, you know? <laughs> I always see people that bitch and get negative. Uh, no one wants to work with them anyway.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's something that, that is definitely good advice. Yeah. Especially when you're trying, like you said, the first impression. It's not just your material that you're presenting right. you're presenting yourself
1: yeah yeah do, no, that's
0: do, do, does anyone want to work with you
1: uh yeah i mean that is do you want to work with this person yeah. especially when you're doing a small line like we do where we, our our company's kind of more family oriented the people we work with uh, we all hang out we know each other pretty well so do we actually want to work with this person or not mm-hmm. that that is a huge factor and the ones that always crack me up are uh, people that will go on like facebook feeds and talk shit and then they'll pitch you <laughs> and I think they do that to try to get your attention, or to stand out, or to get noticed, or, or it's it's a weird logic because I never even read their stuff; I just right. ignore it. You know what I mean? And uh, I yeah, I don't I don't I don't get that. It's a weird. That's a small minority of people, but uh, I, I have noticed that people that will go and talk shit and trash, and then and then they they try to submit, and I'm like, wow, well, okay, not yeah, go. I got you know life's too short for you, dude. Right. Good luck. And it's always men, by the way. I, I very rarely find women that shit talk. Right.
0: <laughs> um, now we talked about pitching comics in terms of like pitching comics to you or mm-hmm. other publishers or Image or whatever, and the need to get you know some art. I mean, it's, it's right. Super, super important. Um, but let's maybe take a, a sidestep here and talk about pitching, and we touched a little bit on it in terms of what your experience was like with Legendary. What sort of advice do you have for maybe an independent comic book publisher or a comic book creator? They have their own project or whatever. Who wants to pitch as a film or TV show? As again, somebody who's sold, you know, right. multiple projects. What sort of advice would you have going into something like that?
1: Well, you need a uh, you need a team of people that are on the inside. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you need a manager. You need an agent. Uh, we have a management company, Worker Circle of Confusion. I have Harris Muller's our attorney. Uh, we don't have an agency representation anymore. We haven't for a number of years, and uh, you know, working with these guys, they know that business better. And uh, you know, I submit stuff that I want to write all the time to them. I write one, I write about one one pager a month for some an idea I have, and I'll submit it to those guys. And about one out of every three or four of those they'll like, you know. And then I'll I'll put that at the list, and I keep an ongoing idea list of mm-hmm. things I want to work on, like this book I'm working on with Colleen Doran. I, I had the idea in 2010. You know, I'm just getting to it now. Mm-hmm. You know, so sometimes there's a long curation project, a curation duration. Um, but uh, I don't think I answered your question. What was it again? I'm sorry.
0: No, in terms of what sort of uh, advice would you have for a comic book creator? Oh, to try to, to, to set up, try to sell. You know, even in the pitch, right? Um, what sort of advice would you have? Again, having some done it yourself multiple times. Successfully. Well,
1: I, yeah, I've directly pitched stories to. Uh, Companies and then I've directly I, well see. Normally they want someone who's a uh, a teal. Especially now, it's different now than it was even ten years ago. Now uh, the way we do that is we find a writer in film or TV. I usually find them through my uh, through management company. Yeah, where they'll uh, and then we'll usually attach to a production company that has a deal somewhere on the lot, one of the lots, um, and we'll start developing with a writer with them. Uh, we'll put together the take and then we'll take it out and pitch it, and uh, you know that's what we've been doing for the last ten years. I would say we've sold an average of one in five of those, mm. you know, and uh, probably one in ten of those gets made, mm-hmm. you know. So uh, it's it, it's a long, drawn out process. I mean, we haven't had anything multimedia since 2012, so it's been four years, um, and I think Hulu will be next year. So we'll have a five year gap between the last thing we had in the multimedia, um, and they tend to come in weird waves. Like we have an announcement for another property we just sold to a uh, network uh, that'll be in the next. Few weeks, they'll be announced. Very so um, cool. that was a separate thing. But uh, if you're going to pitch directly, I, it's hard. I, I, I would say the best. It depends. Also, film and TV are very different. You know, um, like right now in TV, I wouldn't pitch without an established showrunner, show-runner right? Because uh, there's 4,400 scripted TV shows in development right now, and uh, about half of those don't have showrunners, and uh, so. Networks and Hulu's, and they're looking for showrunners that can actually run with the show. Right. So the fact that we had a showrunner for the show that we just sold to the network, we also had a showrunner attached to the postal that we took out, um, and an established company, the production company, to do it. Um, I see some of these companies that sell stuff, and then I look at their deals and I'm like, wow, that's a really bad deal. You really got, you know, (laughs) you really got taken advantage of. And that never would have happened if they had a real agent or a real manager because they just get fleeced, you know, Um, and because. If you're a if you're a no name person coming in as a comic book creator, uh, I, there's this uh, kind of a weird mistaken thing like oh my god the fact that they're willing to do it at all is such a great thing for me. That could be true, you know. But uh, you know, you, I look at like the Rocketeer, the guy who uh, made that comic. That was the only thing he ever sold, and I remember him publicly talking about how he didn't make, make very much money on it. And so uh, Dave Flanfier is that his name? Uh-huh. Um, but he. Uh, So here's a guy Who had a major Motion picture come out Of something that he created Um And he wasn't really Able to monetize it Right And so You never know If that one thing Is going to be it Do you want to be Bob Kane With Batman Do you want to be Rob Liefeld With Deadpool Or do you want to be Someone like Marv Wolfman With uh, Teen Titans Right You know Or Len Wein With Wolverine I I know I don't think Those guys get much On the back end Of those characters Mm -hmm. So Yeah Um So
0: Uh We We what about specifically in pitch meetings like uh i know you again when you as a creator go in there's a team with you i mean yeah. you have your manager whoever else with you possibly another writer if you're you know correct but what sort of things like have you picked up or have you learned that you know that have helped you to again sell right. projects
1: well, the, the process is, is typical. I mean, you go and you chit-chat mm-hmm. for about five minutes, and then you get into the pitch. There's usually a couple people that talk, and then they all look to the writer to go into the actual pitch. Right. Um, I would say the actual pitch should never be more than 10 minutes. I mean, that's the misnomer, is when people start pitching me stuff and it's 20 minutes into it, I've tuned out a long time ago, <laughs> right. even if it's good. You know, so. Um, you, know, you keep it 10 minutes, and usually for film and even for TV, you sort of pitch the first act sort of in somewhat detail. You sketch out the second act and then uh, the third act in a little less detail. Each act is a little less detail. What you want to do is uh, create some interest on the end, and hopefully, they'll ask questions. The worst thing you can get in one of these meetings is they just say, Thank you. You pitch that well. Right. That's like, Okay, that means they're not buying it and goodbye. You right. know? I mean, the, the people that want, every time I've ever sold anything, um, it's it's always been longer meetings. They ask a lot of questions. They want to know what's going on. They want to know the history of the property, um, and uh, you know, th- there's a big difference between pitching something like Postal and pitching something like Witchblade. Sure. You know, Witchblade were like we've sold 250 million comics in 21 languages, 55 countries around the world. Postal is a much smaller franchise. So you're actually buying the idea less than the established brand. brand. right? You know, whereas Witchblade, we had the two TV shows, the Japanese anime. You know, there's people around the world that are very familiar with this brand. Um, so it's got some preconceived uh, built-in awareness um, but uh, yeah I mean that, that's, that's really it I mean short is sweet one thing I always tell people about pitching and when I would pitch some of these things myself I would, uh, I would film myself doing it I would practice it. You gotta fucking practice it. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, people make this mistake that like I know my story. I'll go in and pitch it. Like I, I, stories I was writing for 10 years, I would still go in and I would practice it. I would film myself doing it because there's weird affectations that you have that are distracting. Like if you you know rub your nose like this, that could take someone out of something. You know, you have to use your hand motions. All these things they all have to be sort of rehearsed. And I know that's. And then the other thing is visuals. I almost always when I go, I'll take. Uh, I don't know if I have one here, but I'll have like what I call a pitch kit. And it'll be several just still images printed out, usually eleven by seventeen, mm-hmm. where um, I'll just lay them out, you know, on that specific art, like uh, like a money shot, sure. like uh, explaining this scene like that, and say this is what this is. Just so kind of help give some sort of a visual reference to the story that you're telling. Um, and uh, I'll usually leave a comic sort of at the end. Sometimes uh, leave behinds are critical. Um, yeah. In general, I try not to leave behind anything anymore. And I, and I found the reason is because when you leave stuff behind, uh, it drags out the process. What do you mean? Well, they need to read it. Oh, yeah. Correct. And then they need to think about it. Mm-hmm. then five people yeah. need to read it. Then they have to talk about it. Versus if you just do the pitch and there's three people in the room and there's the two deciders and the other one wants to talk about it, um, they immediately go back, are we into this or not? Right. And usually, when you do the leave behind or give them a graphic novel to read, um, if there is a graphic novel and it's good and it helps support the pitch itself, I usually suggest people send it in advance. You know, so they they can read it. um, And then when the pitch is different, you can even explain to the pitch why it's slightly different from the comic, and this is why we did it. Um, And, uh, you know, film and TV, believe it or not, despite all the crazy superhero movies and all the stuff going on, the opportunity to do something on a massive science fiction budget kind of film are very rare. So the more grounded you are, uh, the better chance you have of getting something made. You know, and anything with a shorthand like... uh, you know, postal, it deals with law enforcement, deals with the FBI, deals with criminals. I mean, you, you already know, and it's, there's a reason why cop shows, uh, lawyer shows, and these things, the hospital shows work, is because people already know, they know what a doctor is. Right. They know what a cop is. You know, you have a cop. Is he a good cop or a bad cop? Once you know that, or is he a cop that kind of pushes the edge, you know? Is he going to plant evidence or not? You know, these, these shorthand things, you, it, they make it much easier to kind of explain the characters in their lives. Um, but uh, I think all those things things are good. The key is to keep it short. The other thing I always say is to pitch your friends and family mm-hmm. uh, before you actively go pitch to a film or a studio. Because when you pitch to someone, um, if they at the end of it have them try to ask you questions or ask them, then what did I say? Uh, and don't get pissed at them when they don't understand it. Because I I, right. I get mad sometimes when I've pitched people and they don't. I'm like, come on, I explained that three different ways. Right. And th- then I but I always look at then I go back and look at the pitch again. And I'm like, well if they didn't pick this up, and I explained it three different ways, I either need to remove it because it's confusing or I need to uh, figure out a better way to, to do it. Um, and just, really, it's just practice. I mean, once you get into kind of a shorthand, and the other thing about pitches is no one ever minds you having notes. I almost always, always have a printed mm-hmm. out thing with sort shorthand. So if I lose your, if you leave, you know, you're, you're talking for 10, 15 minutes. Uh, no one expects you to have anything memorized. You know. But if you, you know the material, you've done it a few times, you kind of have your shorthand. If you, if you lose your way, you, oh, sorry, I'm back on point. Here's right, this. Right. No one cares. Mm-hmm. You know, so, um, and I, the other thing I, I've noticed of late is there, with the writer making some sort of a personal anecdote about their life and relating it to the story and the mm-hmm. main characters, uh, I'm not as good as that as other people, sure. but I think that works. Yeah. It works well, actually. Makes it personal. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Again, you want these people to like you. Yeah. You know?
0: And feel that you're invested yeah. in the idea as much as possible. And have knowledge of that world or that event or that something that you bring that only you can tell that story. Right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So even if they hear another cop story yeah. from somebody else, this one is personal to you and this one has, right. you know,
1: that they My kill. dad was a cop and was killed when right. I was a child. And this affected me dramatically. So I'm right. writing the story of a... Of a a new cop whose father was killed in line of duty, and he's got this ghost of his father on his back the entire time he's there. Suddenly, it's 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 more real and it's more interesting, right? Because you're relating. It's like this new show, Notorious, which is Mark Gershenson, who's a lawyer. It's based on his lawyer practice, and he had a relationship with this reporter. And that it's I don't like the show. I tried to watch it, but they it it really is based on their lives, kind of the Hollywood version of it, right? So.
0: Um, I know you've got a meeting coming up. I do super appreciate your time. We're trying to uh, get you out of here. Um, So don't forget to check out Postal. Don't forget to check out uh, Eden's Fall, all the other good stuff you guys have. be sure to follow Matt on Twitter.
1: Yeah, uh, Top Cow Matt, T-O-P-C-O-W-M-A-T-T. Yep. Um, and one note on Eden's yeah, yeah. Verse and Eden's Fall is, uh, we skipped a year for the Top Cow Talent Hunt, but we're going to do one more. Uh, it might be the last one. And we're going to start it this summer. Um, and it'll run through the fall. Uh, but it will be on Eden's Verse.
0: Oh, OK. Yeah, so yeah, yeah, yeah. So Think I, I Tank,
1: th- Tithe, Postal, um, those are the three titles. So um, if you're interested in, in participating in the Top Cow Talent Hunt this next year, 2017, um, those are the three titles. You might want to start doing your research now.
0: Yeah. And what uh, when when do you think you'll announce Like when the co- the town hunt will start?
1: We usually okay. announce a Comic-Con. So it'll be San Diego, July, uh, mid-July.
0: Okay. So mid-July next year.
1: Yeah. And it'll probably start in September and run through the end of the year okay. like we normally do. Normally, actually, we run it through the end of January because dealing with it over the holidays is a pain in the ass.
0: And I know I've seen on your... Facebook page, I think, or maybe Twitter. You oftentimes give away the first issue on a PDF, so they can see which one or right. if, what they like, what they, you know, which one they want to gravitate towards more, or maybe just get a glance of all of them and then start getting into them. Yeah, um, is there? Maybe I'll get, I'll get the link from you if you still have some of those that are available for them. Maybe they can look at the first ones sure. you know, and Yeah, out. Yeah, topcow.com
1: actually, uh, if you go to the front page, there's uh, in the bottom right of the corner, is uh, there's about 50 free comics. Okay. And I think there's awesome. four issues of Think Tank, there's a couple issues of Postal. And at least I know at least the first issues of all of those are there for free.
0: Okay, yeah, I'll let them get started and yep. then they can go to their local comic book store, which we encourage people going to comic book shops actually. Uh, and buying comics, uh, but definitely check it out. Um, I, I haven't read Tithe yet, but I've read uh, Postal and *I*. Uh, um well I'll, give I'll
1: give you Tithe Think on Tank the way Tithe. out.
0: Yeah, that would be awesome. Um, so yeah, be sure to follow Matt on Twitter. Thanks for coming on again. We have to have you back. We love having you. I remember the last time. I think it was doing your, you were in the car card t- on your, your yeah my your son's, son's soccer, soccer game, yeah. which is awesome. <laughs> um, uh, I should have asked the score as it was going on. Yeah, uh, they probably <laughs> lost. <laughs> uh, and for the latest updates on recently released recent and upcoming interviews and features, you can follow us on Twitter at scriptscribes and of course check out our companion website scriptscribes.com and we'll be sure to list. Mm-hmm. Links for uh, all the top cow books right. and the Edenverse and all that kind of stuff. So check it out, um, and we'll have to have you back for Cow and Hunt
1: for sure. Yeah, next summer would be great. We can yeah. talk about it.
0: Awesome, uh, and thank you all for listening.